prepare for a landing, right? Okay. In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed. Emergency! Emergency! Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. Mark, look! What have you got? The galleot. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. Wes, Brad, controls. Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies, but attack like vampires. Listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where friends get together and talk about a horror movie. There's two of us this time. We still have Jolien out on loan to uh, higher causes right now. He'll be back when he can, and the top secret project will be revealed in the future. Uh, but I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And... Uh, well, the two of us are meeting virtually, and we're talking about uh, Planet of the Vampires, a Mario Bava film. I think it was 1965. We'll talk about our main attraction, which we will spoil, and then we'll talk about some recently watched, which we will try not to spoil. And uh, we'll talk about other things along the way, I'm sure. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally. And you can say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And uh, we made a coloring book, so you can go to uh, Plan9ColoringBook.com. That's Plan the number nine ColoringBook.com, and get our Plan Nine from Outer Space coloring book. Um, we just passed break even, <laughs> so Yay! now we're getting rich. Uh, no, it's cool. We paid for our printing costs and now we'll figure out how we're going to divvy it up. Um, I think as far as the housekeeping, that's, we're not professional critics. I think that's the only thing I normally like to say. And Will, do you want to talk about your recently watched? Is it just a whole bunch of, uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine or something? It's a bunch of Star Treks, but we did watch another show, uh, because, uh, Eugenia's been on a sci-fi kick, uh-huh. um, so we watched a show called Avenue Five, which is a comedy, 
a sci-fi comedy set on a uh, luxury cruise spaceship that is taking a trip around Saturn. Um, It's set in the not-too-distant future. Hugh Laurie is the captain. Nice. Um, It's really good. Dr. Uh, House. (laughs) Yes, it's by the people who uh, did Veep or In the Thick of It. Um, if you like political comedy, it's, uh, it's, this one's not political, not too much. There's a little bit of politics in there. Um, I will spoil a little bit. There is a scene where characters debate whether or not they're on a real spaceship or if they're just on a game show and they then hurl themselves out an airlock and they do this three times, uh, three successive times, uh, each time is horrifying. Before COVID-19, I would have thought that scene improbable, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> After COVID-19, I said, wow, that is just spot on writing. Yes. Spot on. Anyway, show's really good. Uh, we binged it pretty much, so uh, I think it's only... Maybe eight episodes, ten episodes, something like that. It's not a very long show. Half-hour episodes. Uh, pretty good. Some so, uh, mean humor. Yeah. Yeah, you learn of the fate of Richard Branson and his uh, <laughs> pigs in his own private island. Oh. Say no more. Now, i got to ask, did this remind you at all of... The Running Man and bits and pieces of the Fifth Element. Because you remember they had that cruise yeah. ship on Fifth Element. The fifth Element, I can see that bit. Uh, Running Man, no, I didn't get that because I should know Running Man better. I've watched it a zillion times, and I don't remember much of it. I remember the fat guy with the Christmas tree lights. Yeah. Electro or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'd say, yeah, it's closer to the fifth element. Yeah, okay. Um, there's a, a, a wide variety of characters. There's the captain, the aforementioned Hugh Laurie captain. Um, there is a, uh, rich, the rich guy who owns the cruise liner. He's some, uh, young kind of... I mean, they're not millennials, but he'd be some hip douchebag, you know, uh, tech owner uh, who has more money than he than he knows what to do with. And then there's like Mission Control. That lady's crazy, and just you know, there's uh, several passengers on the ship. Uh, it's pretty good, so hmm. I recommend it. Other than that, Star Trek. Yep, just all the. Next generations. Just next generation, we're we're chugging along. Hopefully, one day I'm through with them. Is Riker becoming more unbearable by the episode, or does he just hit a level and stay at it? How, what's that like watching it in a binge? Mm, he kind of just stays at a certain level of of now. It seems a little skeevy. Like he's uh, he's a little too eager. Um, you know, this last, not the last episode, but I think maybe one before or the one before that, he was hitting on somebody on this planet, some colonist, 
you know, and it was just kind of like, okay, Riker, you know. Yeah. Was... Although to be fair, she was she was totally, you know, uh, hitting back. She was, uh, <laughs> you know, going with the vibe, responding in time. Yeah, she was going with it till she got killed. Oh, spoilers yeah. for Deep Space. I'm sorry, Next Generation. I keep wanting yeah. to say Deep Space Nine for some reason. We have probably watched that at some point. Oh my god. Um, it's never going to end. Anything else you watched? Uh, no, but we have subscribed to HBO now, so we'll be checking out uh, uh, Lovecraft Country. I've heard good things. Yeah, that's on my uh, to-watch list. Um, yeah. Speaking of, I'll start with uh, I'll start with one I watched last night. It was a documentary called Survival of the Film Freaks. And basically, it's kind of an oral history of uh, cult movies, what they mean, where they came from, just kind of told by real film fans. Um, most most everybody in the movie, in this documentary, you will uh, have heard of them. Well, at least half of them, you've heard of them or are vaguely familiar with them or totally know who they are. And uh, they talk about what you know, what their first discovery of what a cult film was and uh, how they kind of define it for themselves or how they've known it to be defined. Uh, some of their stories on how they discovered things. And what was cool about that was, you, yeah, you get some of that, that nostalgia that you can't do anything about, you know, like what it was like to go to the video store. Hey, you know what I, rem- what I remember about the video store? 99% of it looked like crap and I didn't want to rent it. But at least it was there, I guess, and they had snacks. I don't know. Uh, but some people really, really miss it, and I I don't miss it as much as they do. But there were stories also about, like, oh, yeah, my friend had cable, or we had cable, or I stayed up late when I wasn't supposed to, or the folks didn't know what was on, you know, Showtime After Hours or After Dark or whatever they called it. Uh, the, one of the funnier ones was uh, director Adam Green uh, said that because they a bunch of them they did a bunch of snippets of people talking about how Beastmaster was always on, and yeah. he said that HBO stands for Hey Beastmaster's on. Oh shit, it does. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Uh, there was a while where the the initials didn't mean this, but um, Hey Soul Man is on. It's oh yeah, Soul Man played all, all the, the time. All the time, yeah, it was horrible. They must own those two movies. Yeah, um, and then they play like Fraggle Rock at three in the morning because that's when the kids are up. I think that's when the shrooms are kicking in. I <laughs> I don't know what the reason is for that, but you'll see uh, interviews and they just kind of revisit all of these folks several times through the, throughout the uh, documentary. You have Ted Ramey, like I mentioned, Adam Green, uh, Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Kansas Bowling, James Balsamo, he's a director, uh, Rob Galuzzo, Stephen Scarlatta, uh, a whole bunch of people. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's worth a watch. Uh, I think it was about 90 minutes, something like that. Uh, yeah, just under 90 minutes. Totally worth a watch if you want to. Shutter? Uh, no, this one, I think was, I think it was just on Amazon prime. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. That was on prime video. 
So that was cool. I watched, <clears throat> excuse me, I watched Scenesters, Music Mayhem and Melrose Avenue, a documentary, 1985 through 1990. Holy crap, could you come up with a longer title for your movie? Uh, this was kind of about the L.A. scene when stuff changed from the old stuff into what was the new stuff in between 85 and 90. So when, when bands like Jane's Addiction came along and the Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't overplayed, it's, it's, really, it's a really good subject for a documentary in the sense that you kind of get the perspective of a bunch of people who worked at record stores or some of the little fashion shops or worked at the clubs or people who were in some of the bands, some of the promoters. And these are folks who are now, some of them are a little embittered, perhaps, that uh, one day <laughs> it all just kind of went away or it evolved into something else. Like the bands that really made it went on to fame and fortune. Some of the other bands just kept playing, but then all of a sudden one day the glam side, the kind of glam rock hair metal side of what was happening absolutely had the plug pulled on it, which I'm happy about. But then some of the other bands did too. And they kind of lost their agency and all of a sudden it was all about grunge. Which, yeah, you know, early 90s, that's kind of what happened. And I don't even believe in grunge as a supposed genre or subgenre of music. It's a bunch of bands that don't sound like each other, so what the hell? Anyway, you hear a little bit of bitterness from some of them, but that's okay. I did finish watching the, uh, and this one is worth a look, but uh, this the sound is all over the place as far as the volume. So some of them will be mic'd pretty well and some of them won't. But I can't bitch about sound. I mean, I, I'm trying to make Zoom calls and FaceTime calls into a podcast. Well, we probably also not yeah. you know, paid anything to do this. So. I guess that's true. Uh, anyway, so I, I'm not an L.A. person, so I can't say much about whether this hits the nail on the head. I did finish watching the Speed Metal or the... Um, they called it thrash metal documentary. Uh, I had about 40 minutes remaining on that one. I finished watching that. And again, some people are a little bitter that their, that their scene that they were part of ended. And I hope I never sound like that person. It's like, Oh, you know what we used to do? We used to ride our bikes. And then we'd, you know, we, we'd watch these TV shows and you had to wait till Saturday morning to watch cartoons yeah, wah, wah, wah. Just get over it and move on. You know, how how is your life... Yeah, how is your life today not better? Unacknowledged. I know I've talked about this before, but I'm re-watching this UFO documentary that focuses a lot on uh, uh, Dr. Stephen M. Greer. I can wait. I, I, can, I can wait till the chorus of Chihuahuas... Children of the night. <laughs> yeah. That means the mailman is showing up. Oh, man. They hate the mailman so much. I guess. I, okay. I feel like I feel like that outtake of Casey Kasem. All right, goddammit, com- coming out of that song. You know, goddamn upbeat song and talk about a fucking dog dying. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he was a little dog named Snuggles. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I'm rewatching something I know I've talked about, Unacknowledged, a 2017 documentary. It's uh, directed by Michael Mazzola. It uh, has Giancarlo Esposito, or as you might know him, Gus Fring from, uh-huh. from Breaking Bad. He does the narration on this one. Uh, it focuses a lot on uh, Dr. Stephen M. Greer talking about the UFO phenomenon. and Or I should say phenomena. There's so many different aspects to it. But it focuses on the, uh, the files of the Disclosure Project and how UFO secrecy has been enforced and why it's been enforced. And it talks about all of the evidence for... UFO cases being viable and real. Uh, it's always interesting when you get people who are high-ranking military people or, I don't know, Apollo 14 astronauts. <laughs> they say that they've seen things and those things are out there and they're not of this earth. It, it, uh, it does nice things for my imagination and my perspective for how we are in this universe. So I don't lose any sleep over it, I guess is one way I can say it. And the last thing on my uh, recently watched is a 2013 French, I guess you could say thriller. It's kind of a dramatic thriller. Uh, This one popped up in the suggestions on Amazon Prime. So I clicked on it and I watched the uh, the trailer and thought, wow, this this looks like it's really kind of a suspenseful, dark, interesting, artsy movie. So I went ahead and watched it. And I would say it's equal parts what I just said. I would say it's equal parts. <laughs> Dog, seriously. <clears throat> I would say it's equal parts what I just said and gay porn, basically. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know that you look surprised. Uh, what it is... There's a, there's like a nude beach on this lake in France and all of these guys go there to sunbathe, but also it's a quote unquote cruising spot. So you always hear about these places where, you know, guys go and meet up and have anonymous sex and whatever. Well, this is one of those spots, but this one guy witnesses what he's really sure was a murder and he comes back to this spot cause he's kind of like, I think these guys are all on vacation for two or three weeks and they all just kind of hang out at this particular beach on the side of this lake. He notices this guy come out of the lake after apparently drowning someone and then just puts on his shoes and his clothes and just <laughs> sort of heads out. But then the shoes of the other guy and the towel and whatever are still there the next day. And apparently so is his car. And I think they discover this guy is missing or they find his body or something after two, three days. So now, in the meantime, he meets this guy and starts to hook up with him. And it's like, holy crap, what what a terrible decision. So it was like just before nightfall, I think, this guy witnessed this. And then, okay... You're now going to get involved with this guy who you are pretty much 100% sure is a murderer. Now, I'm not giving away anything you wouldn't see in the trailer. Uh, the sex scenes are pretty, are pretty explicit, 
but I just sort of feel like, what am I supposed to like hate on that and be so narrow minded? I can't just watch the movie anyway, because even though it's not my thing, uh, but there is a lot of it. <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> but there's a lot of it. Yeah. So, uh, be prepared if you're going to watch it, that it's a really good movie. Uh, it's got kind of this, I don't want to spoil it, but it's got this ending where you're like, okay, what the hell you couldn't, you couldn't like hand me some of what the ending really is. Or it, it's kind of those, one of those draw your own conclusion endings. Mm. Don't do that to us. Spoon feed us the ending, please. You know, let, let me decide whether a character lives or dies in some circumstances or whether somebody gets away with something. But, uh, there's this really inconvenient inspector who keeps showing up and you're like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to nail it or he's going to, Oh, he's going to think this guy did it. So there's a lot of these suspenseful moments. Uh, so there's uh there's that from my recently watched. And then of course the 1965 planet of the vampires. And, uh, this was known in, in Italian as terror in space, but, uh, we're talking, uh, directed by Mario Bava. What could, what more could you want? Yeah. Now I know I mentioned this one, and I think I forgot when I mentioned it that it's a Bava film. So no, I think we mentioned that. Did we? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Well, I'd but, uh, yeah, I'd started watching it one time before, or maybe watched all of it, but I watched it again last night. It's been on my uh, to watch list for a while now. So since it was at the top of the of the uh, of the list, I picked it. All right. So, so th- was this your first time watching it? Yeah. What did you think? Oh, boy. I didn't pick very well. Well, okay. <laughs> it looked good. Okay. I like Baba, uh, but boy, it just went on and on, didn't it? It kind of did. Uh, I think this could be... We, we haven't said this in a while on the show. I think it could be fan-edited by me. Yeah by maybe somebody who really digs Bava, but, you know, also likes a movie that doesn't keep going around the same circles over and over. Yeah. It could have been, you know, a half hour Twilight Zone episode. It'd be pretty good. Oh yeah. And this is not a long movie. We're not saying it's, it's a two hour movie that needs to be 90 minutes. It's under 90 minutes. Oh man. It feels a lot longer than that. Weird how that happens, right? Yeah, it just keeps going and going and going. Well, when you're first introduced to the characters, how did you like how did you like the set? Now you've just watched a lot of uh, Star Trek. Oh, I, I, I love the sets. The, co- mean, the costumes. Was, the costumes are fantastic in this. Everything looks really good. Yeah. Even the little miniatures. Yeah. You know, everything's great, but oh my god, it's dull. So, it was a slog. So do you put on some real sinister ambient, sinister sounding ambient music and Ooh. just put this on the big screen at a party? I think so. Yeah. Because there, I don't have an argument with this movie other than, yes, you're right. It just keeps going around and just kind of the characters seem worried and then something happens or nothing happens and then they go back around to... Yeah. Whatever. Things, everybody's freaking out, but you don't know why. Yeah. So, 
Do you want to describe the general plot, or do you want me to read a description? Give our uh, listeners? The general plot is there's two spaceships on the go somewhere. Um, they lose contact with one. Uh, turns out it landed on a planet. They go down to check it out. Uh, they find everybody dead on the on the other ship, um, and then weird things start happening. Yeah. Now, are they kind of? Do we read them as vampires? I mean, they're almost like, I don't know, they're ghosts. They're yeah zombies. What are they? They're uh, the crew members apparently had killed each other from the other ship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, it was obvious. They f- killed each other fighting, or they fought each other to death, or whatever he says, like the second he sees the first pair of corpses. Yeah. It's obvious. I, lo- I love when people, it's obvious. Yeah. I mean, look at them. They clearly died of fright. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're, they, uh, they go on to bury a bunch of the bodies, uh, but several bodies are locked inside the ship's bridge. Mm-hmm. So they have to get tools to open it, and uh, and by the time they get back, the bodies have disappeared. Yeah. Now, that was pretty creepy and eerie, I thought. Uh-huh. The mood is really there. Uh, yeah, the mood's there. Everything's there but the story. It's, yeah, it's, uh, the, but the sum of the parts is not greater than the parts. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, if this had been a half hour long Twilight Zone. Or maybe an, an hour of TV that, that in actuality is 48 or 46 minutes yeah. or, or whatever it is. I think it's 48. Yeah, 48 minute episode, that'd be good too, yeah. Yeah, so it's an hour of television. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. Somebody needs to edit this thing. Um, I did notice that... Uh, the costumes, I have to get back to the costumes because this thing, it, it, they, they look great. These look like uh, some motorcycle. And what's funny is I wrote down uh, that I was about to say that those look like motorcycle suits. And then I saw their helmets sitting there. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that there's like some Italian racewear uh, uh, boutique that, that outfitted them for this. I could be wrong, yeah. but it sure seemed that way. But they're to describe them, they're black leather outfits with like red, like a blood red kind of piping on them, and they have like these high collars, like these, yeah, uh, like these Elvis. I like that a motorcycle goes by as I'm talking about motorcycle suits. <clears throat> yeah, uh, but they have these. And the dogs like, continue. <clears throat> I know. It's like, what, what do you guys want? Uh, but they have the. The suits have these high collars that remind you of a, a Dracula cape. Uh-huh. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. But, uh... And they have a skull cap, and, uh... Yeah. Yeah, when they head out to do their stuff, they do put on their 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 sort of cowl, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. So you got this uh, cosmonaut-looking helmet cowl thing. So that's pretty cool. All right, so the costumes look great, the sets look great, and this it's and this movie is more about the story of them just bumming around doing things and getting freaked out or or things disappearing or showing back up. 
It's more about that than it is any kind of action. But some action does occur. Uh, and I wrote down a note that at 33 minutes, we got vampires rising from their metal-lidded graves. That scene where the lid lifts up and they come out. Yeah. And then later on, one of them's wrapped in plastic and does the same thing. Yeah. Or later when the uh, plastic bag flies out like a ghost. Yeah. That was a good scene. So we have no argument against the atmosphere of this movie. No, not at all. Okay. And I think you, I think you nailed it. I think if you put this on the big screen and uh, had some sort of sinister ambient music going, it'd be perfect, you know? Yeah, it's, it's great. It would be great for a party because, like, even amongst horror fans, not everybody knows this particular Bava movie. No. And it would just be obscure enough, but not so obscure that it's a no-budget movie. Because this thing, yeah. they, they put money in this thing, obviously. Yeah, it'd be nice if you had, like, a really, you know, good-looking copy, too. Oh, yeah. And and I would I would like to think that there is probably, there's probably a restoration of this, because that, that looked pretty good. Yeah. But, um, anything that this puts you in mind of? And this one would probably be a good question for Jolien because I know it. I know it was reminding me of some Japanese space movie that I don't know the name of, and he would immediately oh. he would know what I was talking about. Probably. Yeah, it didn't. It, I mean, yeah, it reminds me of all those you know fifties, uh, you know, uh, sci-fi movies. Yeah, basically like uh, where they you know mission to the moon kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, mid fifties through mid to late sixties. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of that kind of vibe to it, but this one obviously was uh, was dubbed like ADR'd, looped. So, mm-hmm. uh, which well, it's it, Italian. Yeah, Italian movies are all that way. Uh, but you you know you're watching the movie and it's like you're not fooled that it's actually made in English. So, I'm watching it saying, all right, well, obviously it's Italian because we know it's Bava, but. I don't know if people would necessarily pick up that it was an Italian movie otherwise. I don't know. I would. I mean, okay, for example, uh, Forbidden Planet had a higher budget and a better look than this, but it was kind of on par. It's, it's similar quality-wise, right? Yeah. That's an American movie. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't look it's also that... also ten years earlier. Well, true. <laughs> and a lot. I don't know. I think Forbidden Planet's a better movie. A lot more entertaining. Yeah. Uh, do we care to talk about where the plot goes and what happens, or did you even commit it to memory? Uh, they run around. People freak out. They run around. They come to their senses. People freak out. They run around. There's bodies missing. Uh, and then a giant skeleton! Oh, that's right. The former inhabitants of the planet, perhaps. Yeah. Now. That's right. Now they, yeah, they definitely used up their skeleton budget. You know, yeah. that, that was, that was a lot of skeleton. Those things were what, like 20 feet tall. Yeah. 
I was just in Home, Home Depot the other day. They've got a 12-foot-tall skeleton that you could buy, and I don't know how the hell you'd even display it. Man, we yeah. don't have a whole lot of giants left. No. And they're... <laughs> but they're skeletons on sale. Yeah. For a mere 350 bucks, you can have a 12-foot-tall skeleton. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, it was about 350 Yeah. Get a couple. Yeah. So, giant skeletons, uh, there's something about a meteor rejector device that they need to go get? Yes. And they... I thought they were saying the media rejector device. (laughs) And in the future, there was so much media, you couldn't go through it all, so you had to have a rejector. (laughs) The the rejector in chief. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they... They were lured to the planet so the inhabitants could escape using their ship, I think was kind of maybe the scheme. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't want to. The inhabitants lived in your body. (laughs) Like Thetans? Yes. Uh, Well, they they managed to put explosives in the ship and... uh, there's a struggle, and uh, a couple of them are killed, and then uh, Markari and Sanya return to the Argos, which is their ship, and they escape as the other ship, uh, the other one that was lured there, is destroyed. But then they uh, appear to be, like you said, possessed by the Aurans, A-U-R-A-N-S. So... They ask the last survivor, Wes, to join them. And he refuses and tries to sabotage the meteor rejector, but electrocutes himself like a dumbass. And the device is is broken, and they decide to change course for the nearby planet. Dun-dun-dun, Earth. Yes. So they're coming here. So that ought to be interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it could have done with a, a, a lot, a lot fewer laps through, but I don't know. Maybe more action. Was it lacking in action for you? It wasn't lacking in action. I think it was lacking mostly in setup. That. You didn't know who these people were. They were just on a spaceship, and then they land, and they go crazy, and they're fighting and running around, and then they finally settle down, and you've gone through all that, but you don't really know who these people are. You don't really learn anything about them. You couldn't tell me one person's name, I'm sure, other than Sonia. Right. Now, uh, they fail to make us care about the characters? I think so. Okay. And I wonder if, if there was if there was something that Bava had in mind for that. I mean, I wonder if, that, if he was like, you know what? I don't want you to care about them. <laughs> maybe. I felt like this maybe was a precursor. Maybe this was an influencer on other movies like Alien. Oh, definitely. Because whenever you have ships that are following a beacon and they end up on some forgotten world where there's a dead civilization. It just kind of feels like ah, that comes from somewhere. The ship even looked kind of 
kind of like the the derelict ship they find in Alien. Yeah. It was U-shaped. Yes, exactly. And these are too. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this borrowed from a few times. Mm-hmm. Other than Alien and Prometheus, I feel like there's other ones out there. Oh, certainly. It's it's a pretty old story, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a mysterious pa- distress signal. While we were talking about this, I found something on uh, uh, the Alien director Ridley Scott and screenwriter Dan O'Bannon claimed they had never seen Planet of the Vampires... But decades later, Dan O'Bannon would admit, I stole the giant skeleton idea from Planet of the Vampires. Oh. So confirmed. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, you know what? Uh, what was the one with the... Uh, what was the one with the outer space vampires coming to Earth? With the woman who's nude through... Almost- Life Force? Life Force! I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, I feel like it influenced Life Force, too. Nude Force. New, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, we found this really attractive actress who has no problem with nudity. Let's see how far we can take it. All right. The wardrobe department, you guys can go home. <laughs> <laughs> Just show her where the robe is hanging. Uh, let's see. Uh, the plot and ideas continue to influence filmmakers according to this person let's see uh pitch black and brian de palma's mission to mars i would have to see pitch black and revisit mission to mars to say whether i agree but i don't know man it, uh, a lot of this a lot of this stuff of the era is is, is really just a simple uh one side versus the other and there's a lot of ray guns or whatever yeah but this, this reminded me a bit of uh first spaceship on venus which was another one of these movies it had a a big internet well i won't say uh stars but an international cast uh and it's the same sort of thing they got oh and there's a I don't know if there's a beacon or a distress call or if they just find an ancient civilization on Venus. You know, same old story you've heard a million times. Yeah, didn't um, Event Horizon have a uh, distress call they were responding to? Probably. Pretty sure. Don't respond to distress calls seems to be the the lesson here. Yeah, that is that is the moral to the story, because it's, it's you're not going to win. You're not going to save. Help. Yeah, you're not going to save them. They they will probably kill you or get you killed. Yeah. But if you look great in in a motorcycle like a leather motorcycle spacesuit, then uh, yeah. Yeah, I really like the suits. I think that sold the whole movie. Yeah, the suits and the sets. Yeah. Like, even the ones that you could tell were fake still looked really good. Yeah, the little miniatures, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But everything was lit really well. Uh, all of the electronics, like the fake, you know, ship electronics, all looked great. Oh, yeah. We were complaining that they don't have light-up buttons in sci-fi anymore. 
Yeah, why not, man? Yeah, I don't it's want just a whole computer panel now, but yeah, I don't want touch screens. I want light up buttons. Yeah, and, hundreds of them. Yeah, and displays or just one. Right. That does everything. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, you need more of those panels full of lights where they all just kind of change color and blink around and yes, they don't do anything, but they look great. They do look great. Yeah. All right. So we have we have uh, just sort of a, I would say an agreed upon disdain for this movie in the sense that uh, maybe it needs another watch. I don't know, but. They do just kind of <laughs> Scooby-Doo their way around this planet and, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I was hoping there would be just a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it would have been annoying if it was all action sequences, but we could have used with a couple laser gun fights. And things. Yeah, they had those rifles. They never shot anything, did they? No, they didn't. They had, they had weapons they didn't what? use. They had a lot of helmets, too. Yeah. Did they ever put those yellow helmets on? Yeah, briefly. Okay. At the beginning, the one guy, the doctor, went out without a helmet, and they followed him after, and they had helmets on. But it didn't seem to matter. Yeah. It wasn't like they were using it to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the atmosphere of the planet was perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, uh, I think I told you last week, maybe maybe we talked since last episode, but I mentioned when we were when we were on uh, with Jackie talking about color out of space, uh-huh. something about Art Bell, and she didn't know who Art Bell was, and I yeah. got, and I got myself curious, and it's like, do you think anyone's ever archived any of his shows? Yeah, and I found out that somebody put them in podcast form. And oh, very nice. So over the past week, I have listened to a whole bunch of Art Bell. Because I have like a 60 gig file of Art Bell crap. Yeah. That uh, up to a couple of years ago was pretty, pretty much complete as far as I could. T- well, I mean, not complete because you don't have every show, but as complete of collection as I could find. Oh, wow. Out there. Um, and I listened to some of them are such bad quality, though. They're pretty much unlistenable. It's just like... <laughs> what? Who recorded this? Why even put it up? Oh, my God. Yeah, like someone stuck an old crappy tape recorder next to a bad radio. Uh-huh. So his guests range from... Well, he, of course, he took a lot of random callers, but this was a radio show. Well, he hosted several over the years that were in, in different incarnations, but uh, the most recent one was called Dark Matter, but before that he did Coast to Coast, and he would have some experts. Uh, he would have physicists, former astronauts, high-ranking military people, and you know, mostly talking about UFOs, but other paranormal stuff as well. And it's exciting to listen to these people talk about that, in theory, this thing or that thing could be possible, and here's how. But he would have, like, um, uh, Michio Kaku and 
Dr. Stephen Greer that we talked about earlier. Uh, Oh man, he had so many guests and they would all have these different points of view, but once in a while he would get someone on there that just was a little kookier than they were credible. And he, he's humoring them sometimes. He'll always at least extend the courtesy of humoring them. Oh yeah. But he was, that is why Art Bell's uh, show was successful, is because he could sit there and interview you, even though he he knew you were just making it up. That it was total bullshit. Right. But he was willing to play along. Um, he was never um, condescending either to the guests, no matter how goofy and out there they were. He was willing to go. Okay, sure. Tell me your story about it. You know. Yeah. Um. You know. I, that's why I liked Eric Bell. He's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, if you if you want to, I'll tell you and the listeners. Um, the podcast is called Recola Midnight, and it's spelled like R E E K O L A. Okay. And uh, some of the, some of the recordings sound better than others, but they mostly sound yeah. pretty good. And all but a few of the little mentions of, of sponsored uh, things, all the other commercials and crap are cut out, which is great. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Because you'll hear them go into, uh, you know, going into a commercial, and then coming mm-hmm. and then coming out of it. And he he always had those those old uh, pop radio songs that he would play. Yeah. Weirdly, I don't know why he would play Dancing Queen by ABBA. Well, he was evidently a radio DJ. Yeah, he had the voice at for one it. point in his life, so uh, <clears throat> that's why he he was so into you know uh, like top forty radio from the seventies. Yeah, like Cap- I'd say <laughs> Captain into mid seventies <laughs> was probably when he was. <laughs> Uh, big, I believe he ran a radio station in Vietnam during the war. Yeah, I think you're right. So I don't know a whole lot about Art Bell, but uh, he was an interesting character. You know, I, I listened to Art Bell on the radio for over ten years, probably. Yeah. Every night, you know, uh, <laughs> he was great. I got Eugenia into it. Everything. I got a lot of people into Art Bell, you know, all because of Hale Bop was when I first tuned into Art Bell. So. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, that I tuned in, and it was like, oh, this is crazy and great. Oh yeah, because you would get, the, especially when he would just open the phone lines and take any old caller. Oh the, yeah. The the. the nutcases that would call in and oh yeah perfectly reasonable people would call in too but man some of the people with the strong political views or the very matter of fact uh there's an alien living next door to them points of views Mm -hmm. there's or um uh uh, shit i just lost my train of thought the uh, the area 51 guy were you listening when that happened oh yeah i listen i heard that one yeah yeah, I've heard that one. Oh, I was going to say the Antichrist line was always good. He always had uh, an Antichrist line, and he'd have people call in and, you know, he'd be like, well, I don't know. The last guy sounded pretty believable, so how do I know you're really the Antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one. 
Oh, yeah, he had a lot of those. Uh, ghost to Ghost was always great, too, when they'd have oh. ghost stories. Cause Around Halloween time. Halloween, yeah. yeah. And for some reason, ghost stories on the radio freak me out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is like the perfect medium for ghost stories. My first genuine scare from something I, I heard but didn't see was... Uh, do you remember uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater? Uh, it, was ho- it was hosted by E.G. Marshall. Yeah. It was weird that in, in like, I don't know how, how late it ran, whether it was just through the 70s or also the 80s, but, uh, man, they, they, they did some dramatization on that because it was a radio drama thing. And mm-hmm. there was some ghost story, and, and I must have been, like, six when I heard it. It was at my grandparents' house, and they just had the radio on and that show came on and it was like, Ooh, Holy crap. That, that was spooky. I, I, I didn't go to sleep easily that night, but no. E.G. Marshall ends up being in the uh, creep show. He's the, oh, okay. he's the, he's the one, the rich guy with cockroaches. Uh huh. Yeah. Spoilers. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, he had a great voice. E.G. Marshall did. It was one of those really distinct voices, but yeah, the, so I guess to bring it around to the point of like bringing up Art Bell at all is that when we talk about other worlds and interplanetary travel and all of this stuff, it's so improbable, implausible, impossible, whatever we think here on our little blue marble hurtling through space. But these scientists will tell you things like, well, the Drake equation, you know, where is, is you calculate how many possible inhabitable planets are just in our own galaxy. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess considering, considering how much could be out there and it's billions of possibilities, are, could we really be all there is? And, and it, it seems like if you use any number of different uh, ways of discerning it or, or, or distilling the information down and making a wild guess. It just seems very probable there's other life in the universe. And um, do they want to show up here? Well, maybe. If they do, are they going to be maybe. hostile? Also, maybe. So there's a lot to sort of stimulate the imagination. And the, the more of that, you know, the more of that stimulating uh, entertainment out there, as far as I'm concerned, the better, because I think it's fun. Yeah. So this this is just part of it. Like the old stuff like this is just got a nice charm to it. Mm. And, a good, yeah. and a good atmosphere and all that. So for people who have watched Baba's other movies... Uh, can you recommend this uh, to horror fans, especially people who are somewhat familiar with Bava? I'd recommend it to Bava fans. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, you know, um, yeah, why not? Did, did you feel like you wasted your time watching it? No, I don't think I wasted my time. I was a little bored. I will admit that I was bored. And I was not totally paying attention by the end of it. I had drifted off to looking at the tablet or, you know, 
playing with the cap. Yeah, you knew that the the characters were just going to make another lap around the planet and yeah, get freaked out and turn around and the other thing that already happened was going to happen again. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, I, I got to admit to getting a little bored with it toward the end as well, even though, again, it's 88 minutes. It shouldn't have an opportunity to bore us. Yeah, it really shouldn't, but um, I felt confused and then bored. <laughs> or as I call it, college. Ooh. No, I'm kidding. College was great. Uh, so I would recommend this one to any horror fans that like classic stuff, space stuff, uh, or that like Bava. I think it's just for the atmosphere and the costuming alone, the, the set, the set decoration, the, the, the miniatures, the matte paintings, all this stuff is so damn good looking and charming. Uh, and probably a little ahead. It's a little ahead of its time in the fog. So much fog. Yeah. Good use of fog. But, uh, I feel like the special effects were ahead of most 1965 space movies. So I'll give them props for that. And I think their money was well spent. They're very inventive special effects. Yeah. Because, you know, he just had that one tiny little model. Yeah. And uh, Although, to be honest, there were a couple shots at the beginning where they showed the ship and you were like, what am I looking at? Yeah, what is this thing? Is it a big... Because it was too close and out of focus it was bizarre it was like what is that yeah yeah so i i say you know find your favorite sinister sounding ambient music and have have this on at your party i think so yeah so yeah recommends but um not without the caution that you might get a little bored at the end and i'll yeah. and i'll give it another watch i started it weeks ago and I watched the whole thing through last night uh, and I'll, I'll probably watch it again and see like, am I being too harsh on it? Are they really not Scooby-Dooing around the planet? Uh, I think they are Scooby-Dooing around the planet. Yeah, maybe. Just walking in circles, man. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So, um, all that being said, uh, we're coming up on October pretty soon, so I kind of Ooh. I kind of feel like we got to be making our lists. Uh, uh, are you going to try and do thirty days of Halloween, thirty one days of Halloween? Yeah, yeah, I think I can try. Yeah, there's enough. They're all going to be Star Trek episodes, but <laughs> yeah, we can pretend that they were all horror movies. Yeah, did they ever do any genuinely scary ones? Uh, they had one just recently that uh, it turned out to be like uh, dark matter or something, but it was making things on the ship move about. Uh, I don't know how, but at some point, Captain Picard's like, ooh, maybe it's a poltergeist. <laughs> and Worf gave him a frowny face like, we don't believe in that crap. Uh <laughs> but then they kind of they they went with this dark matter and you were kind of like hmm if I think about that that doesn't really make any sense but okay Star Trek I've noticed uh, there are a number of episodes where they leave plot points just dangling and you're not supposed to I guess care 
Hmm. There's this whole episode where Jordy was trying to figure out what this uh, shadow was and this uh, away team recording, you know, and, and they spend, you know, only a good chunk of the episode with him trying to figure it out, and then they just drop it. <laughs> you never figure it out. You're like, wait, what? You know, there's there's been numerous episodes that are like that, way more than I would have guessed for a TV show. Yeah. But I guess they just, whatever, you know. Not everything's always wrapped up. Right. It just seems like there's threads they leave dangling. Yeah. That does happen, but... Yeah. It's it's uh, episodic television. Mm-hmm. The, the, the listeners, or the, um, the, the viewers only get what the writers will give them. Yeah. So be it. Um... So yeah, we've got uh, Halloween right around the corner. We've got lists to make. I'm going to probably be heroic and do 31 days of Halloween because why not? I've got yeah, why not? Between Shudder and Amazon Prime Video, and I won't count Netflix because their horror selection is not ever really good, uh, and access to HBO and Hulu, I should be able you to. You should be able to find thirty-one movies. Yeah, I, I always like to think that I'll watch a few favorites or a few that I feel I've forgotten. Uh, but also, I want to do at least half that are new. I I try to do all new. The preferably, yeah, but some some nights you just want to watch nineteen seventy-eight John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm, never again. No, you've had it. No, I've had it with that movie. No more Halloweens, no more Frankensteins. No more Jasons? No more... No, well, I'll no. still do a Jason. Okay. If if that Jason uh, 3D or whatever movie... Oh, on, yeah. Uh, greatest Movies Never Made got made. Oh. I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounded great. It sounded fantastic. Although that is the problem with those greatest movies never made is in your mind you make it you know fantastic with no problem because you're just thinking it up but you know if it had really happened it'd probably be crap like everything else (laughs) right okay well i don't have any idea what we're going to do for next week but uh i will yeah you'll find something i'll find something good for us to watch and we'll watch it um I won't make you watch uh, gay porn by the lake or anything like that. No? Okay. No. A stranger we by... could shift the whole changing, chewing the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> the gay movie podcast. That's, I, I, I would not know enough about it, so... Well, we, we, we would learn. <laughs> yeah, we just just learn by watching. Yeah. It's like, why do they do this? Well, I'm sure. Why, why do they do this? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will get together again in a week, and maybe with a third person, maybe not. But I hope so. But I feel like my life is not worse for having seen uh, Planet of the Vampires. No. And I not at all. I I kind of feel like searching for ambient music now. Yeah, I think this would be a good one to play on the big screen. Yeah, I'm going to give it a shot because i got a big screen now. Yeah. All right, on that note, uh, listeners, we thank you for listening. Mind the doors. And there.